Hi, and welcome to the Hadassah Collective podcast. I'm your host, Claire Marinan. The Hadassah Collective is a unique wellness-centered community created in and inspired by India, the birthplace of holistic health disciplines. The Hadassah Collective podcast brings together a carefully curated selection of my most trusted and inspiring innovators from every area of the health and wellness space. I invite my guests to freely share their gifts, their wisdom, their journeys, and their diverse points of view, discussing a vast range of topics, including shutdown and self-isolation strategies, integrated diet and fitness, yogic science, modern mental health, and holistic lifestyle, all to inspire you with relatable tools to help you consciously customize, support, and expand your life. In today's episode, I'm joined by Lamia Asiwala. She is an emotional empowerment coach and healer, and she is also the co-founder of The Yoga House, an incredibly popular yoga studio in Bandra in Mumbai. And today in the episode, we'll be discussing how her journey has evolved in wellness and holistic health from being an avid yoga practitioner and teacher, and then moving beyond the asanas into a space, a more spiritual space, and looking at that mind-body emotion connection. And from personal experience, I've experienced Lamia's coaching sessions, and she is incredibly intuitive when it comes to this connection between our emotional well-being and emotional blocks and um, how that manifests in the body. So we'll be talking a lot about that and also about business in wellness moving through this time of COVID-19 and lockdown and into this new expansive space that we have on the other side of this and how we're all evolving and growing through this. So I think this episode will be really interesting and informative for people. Lamia is incredibly generous in this interview with um, sharing of information and very practical techniques that we can all implement in our lives starting today. So I hope you enjoy. Thanks for joining us. Welcome Lamia Asiwala to the Hadassah Collective. Welcome back, I should say. Most of you will recognize Lamia from our new moon and full moon circles, our Move With The Moon events. And um, I'm so happy to invite you on and have you with me um, to really discuss more in depth your journey in health and wellness and yoga and emotional empowerment. I think a lot of people get so much out of this um, session and this chat. Um, So welcome, Lamia. Thanks for joining me. Hi Claire, thank you for having me. It's always amazing to chat with you and I really think that what we've been doing with our moon circles, I mean people are calling me after asking me about Kundalini Yoga, asking me about the moon and I think you know before the lockdown when we were doing these activities it was kind of um, limited to the session and I think now people are left to look within, question more and I think it's just a wonderful time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, I I agree, actually. I agree. Um, even though there is, you know, a lot of hardship going on in the world right now and this lockdown, I mean, it, it's, it's really tough and 
everyone is facing that in their own way. Um, but I think it's a really interesting shift, especially in the things that we have been doing, is that initially before lockdown, before Corona, um, I think that these sorts of things were like a nicety almost. Whereas now I think that during this lockdown, people have realized that connecting them with themselves is a necessity. And I think that that's, um, that's really interesting and I'm excited to be a part of it with you. Um, so yeah, so thank you for doing those with us as well. Absolutely. And, yeah, it's great. I totally agree with you about this. Yeah. That it, it, I love the way you put it, by the way, the nicety thank versus you. the necessity. <laughs> thank awesome. you. Awesome. So let's get stuck into it. Let's have a little bit of, um, if you can paint a little bit of a picture about where you are um, during this lockdown and sort of how you've been feeling and also the collective energy that you've been feeling, how that's been impacting you. So where I am is actually, to be very honest, I'm in a very fortunate place because I'm, I am, you know, I would say I'm one of the more privileged people at this time because I'm able to live comfortably. Uh, I may not be able to access everything that I, I was doing before, but I think that's the idea that we're really being pushed to be um, more adaptive and more flexible and find a way to really go through this process um, at, a, at a deep internal level. And I think that while people are still focusing on it from an external perspective, which is, you know, the fact that there's this virus out and it is potentially also taking lives. I think there's something deeper going on. If you ask me from a perspective, my personal perspective, I think that um, in, in my meditation and in my silent times, I'm getting the sense that we really had reached a point of no return um, on Earth as humans in the way that we were plundering the earth and, you know, using the earth's resources, but really taking everything for granted. It's almost like saying that if there was a natural calamity or if there was, um, you know, a war even, just the people who are in the thick of that were being affected, but the rest of the world was going about their life. I mean, let's look at the Australian fires. It was a very serious event and the Amazon fires and people didn't stop um, beyond, you know, a few Instagram posts or a little talking about it or, of course, many people did donate, but I think that we were not looking at the impact of our actions individually that make up what's going on collectively on the earth. And I think that right now when people are seeing beautiful, open, clear skies, blue skies, reading about, you know, certain animals coming into the public sphere into cities and dolphins and canals and you know all of that I think what it's showing us is that there was a huge imbalance and I like to think of every situation that happens to us on earth as something to grow from whether it is you know a personal trauma whether it's a collective trauma like this one and also it's pushing us to stop and and assess not just our own actions, but also take stock of our relationships. I think that's a very important theme right now, um, collectively, yeah. for people to to take stock of where they stand, where are they hiding, where are they not being honest, where were they going on with doing something that didn't feel true to them, just because that was what was expected of them. And I think we're really being given the opportunity to reinvent ourselves. While it may not be as easy, and it's not like, you know, paths open up super quickly. I really think that once you're aligned to your higher mission, 
things do start to fall into place, lockdown or not, you know. So that that's my general yeah. assessment of what's going on. But also, I think I did talk about it uh, generally, what's happening collectively. But I, I think that because I'm very passionate about astrology and I love studying what's happening in the skies because it almost reflects to us what we experience on Earth. And I, and I really think that all systems that were, all structures that were imbalanced, whether it's the financial system, whether it was the medical system, whether it is the educational system, all of them are being put under a lot of stress right now for things to find a, yeah. a better way. And, and I really think that, you know, if we... And part of me thinks that, you know, this lockdown is not, we're not going to just snap out of it. I hope we do at some level, but I, I don't think we will, because if if it did go that way, we wouldn't have had the lessons. So I think every individual is going through a certain amount of change, big or small. For some people, it's more, you know, it's larger than life based on their life experiences and their business. Yeah. And for some people, it's, it's smaller, but it just, it's going to hit you where it hurts. That's, that's the point of this. You know, I, I, I think from a larger perspective and, and money and the economy, uh, I mean, you know, I, I do know and I have read right from the first line in The Secret many, many, many years ago that 1% of the world's population has 90% or 99% of the world's wealth. And I mean, it is the fact that it's, it is unequal. The distribution of wealth is not, is not equal at all. And I think it's going to force us to examine some of these things in our own individual lives, people doing charity, people stepping up, people being kind, people sh looking out for each other, holding space for friends when when they're down. I think I think we are we no longer are just suppressing or just you know uh, drinking away our problems or um, hiding away from them. We we just have to face it. It's it's to me it feels like a constant huge full moon. I mean, you know, talking yeah. of our moon our moon yeah. stuff. Um, we always talk about how the full moon is illuminating the dark aspects of ourselves that need to be um, yeah. reassessed and restructured. And I think this is kind of like a, a very massive full moon that we are in. The energy feels like that, where it's a lot of purging, a lot of looking, examining your life and, and looking at what belief systems no longer serve you, what friendships, what connections, what work, what food, what, you know, which people no longer serves you. And, and then to really build your life with purpose yeah yeah i i 100 percent agree with you with that that analysis of it feels like one long full moon cycle um because it really has sort of brought the cracks out in our society especially in the way that we treat each other i think in you know that in and it's showing in different ways just in different spaces that i'm connected obviously with australia and with india and um you know india and the the you know horrific way that the um daily wage workers and the migrant workers um, are surviving at the moment, um, it's brought out those those cracks in that space. And also um, in Australia, there are issues that are coming to the surface, like that have been really under the surface for such a long time. And have, this has just brought them up to the surface. Like domestic violence is, I think, up 120% or something like that in the first week of the lockdown. Wow. And um, so it's really showing us areas that it's like, you know what, this has all been bubbling under the surface and we need to look at this. Um, you know, people shouldn't be surviving in this way and people shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be living this way. And so we're all having to sort of deal with that um, collectively as well. So 
Um, I think it's a really interesting time as well. It's terrifying on one hand and exhilarating and exciting on the other hand. And um, that seems to be the wave of emotions, actually. I think it really is a metamorphosis, right, mm. of like that whole caterpillar to butterfly analogy that almost every spiritual teacher talks about. But I really think it's, yeah. it's that gunk that we've been living with that we are getting a chance to actually be free of. But a lot of times, those, that gunk has validated us, and that's why we've held on to it. So I, I don't see things as ba good or bad. I just see it as divine timing, and, and yeah. I really think it's, it's that divine time. But talking of the domestic violence, I mean, in, in my mm -hmm. private sessions, I'm, I'm really also seeing that people are now like, okay, enough, you know, I, I've lived with this for too long. There has, something has to change. And, and, and had we continued on the pace that we were before, we probably wouldn't have had the time, the courage, the space, the mental capacity, or whatever it takes for you to dig deeper. So uh, I'm also seeing it, it cause, um, bring a lot of positive change into people's lives. That's so interesting. That's so interesting. So um, what we'll do now is let's explore how you sort of got into this space and onto this path um, of emotional empowerment and yoga. You're the founder of one of Bombay's first and most popular yoga spaces. And um, you now have your own emotional empowerment coaching um, studio, which is just phenomenal. I've also had some, had some healing sessions with you and I, I really benefited from them. I really, I really loved them. I thought they were very, very powerful. So we will talk a little bit more about what, what you're recommending to your clients during this shutdown. But let's start off with, um, with how you got started on this path. First off, thank you, Claire, for that huge compliment. I, I think I was really set on this earth to serve. And um, my journey did start in yoga, to be honest. So, let, I mean, to start off, I think the studio was also came a little later. I, I really started out yeah. uh, exploring yoga largely to just shut off my mind. And I was living in Australia when I started practicing in Melbourne. And I, I used to just show up to the class because that 15 minutes at the end that I got in Shavasana were bliss. And... Um, I was so inspired. I, I just, I knew I had to teach. There was this voice in my head. And at the time I was studying media communication marketing and I was, my plans in my career were to go off and go to film school and find my, find a role in, in the film space. But um, I don't think that was really my destiny and, and I got, kind of got put on the right path. Um, but having said that, I think that if I had not lived in, in Australia, and I had continued living in India or anywhere else in the world, I probably wouldn't have been on this path when I did get on it. So I really think that everything, no matter how good and bad they are, they really conspire and lead you to, to where you need to be. And, and even if right mm -hmm. now people are losing their jobs, um, you know, I, I would say while it is very disheartening and scary and confronting, um, I think it's also pushing you to, to ask yourself, what kind of job I want to do, what kind of value I want to bring into the world. And at that stage, when I was in Australia and, I, and I, when I came back to India and started the studio, it just seemed like the next best thing to do. Also for me, mm -hmm. um, I think the yoga practice, my, my mat for a long time held space for me, uh, helped me access moments of um, shutting out the noise in my head. But 
it was not long before I realized that something was amiss and the yoga practice was was not taking me deep enough. Unfortunately, this is a byproduct of, you know, the modern yoga practices, which are highly yeah. physical. And it's just the way yoga has evolved. Again, it's not good or bad. I just think that, you know, once we get onto the yoga journey, it doesn't, it, it's actually just the beginning, you know, and, and you start yeah. to open up a lot, many more doors for yourself to grow from. And um, I think you would agree as well that the, the yoga yeah, opens up the door, but that it kind of leads you to an, an unlimited space of growth and self-discovery. 100%. And I, look, I think it's it's an interesting introduction um, to yoga is from the space of, of a purely asana practice. Um, and I think the reason that that came about, and it was definitely something that... Um, that happened for me that was an introduction to the practice of the full practice of yoga, the full holistic practice of yoga was because I think in the West, especially we are so disconnected from our bodies. And so then you have this practice that suddenly, wow, you're in your body, you're able to feel your body. And, um, I think that that's, that's why it sort of, um, is the introduction and why, it's so popular because it's such a it's such an interesting way to connect with your body, but I think um, once you start to tap into the other aspects of yoga um, and meditation and even just taking care of your body and the way that you eat and um, the way that you think and the more spiritual philosophical sides of yoga, it just opens up a much greater. Um, aspect to your practice so yeah we're definitely in alignment on that front you know but I, I do want to add mm. that fitness and I mean the west uh, does has commercialized yoga but I also I also watched and I witnessed personally that in the west there was also a lot of emphasis on meditation on isoteric mm. practices on you know uh, going deeper while while the the body was the focus what i'm seeing it happen in india unfortunately is that now in the last few years the fitness and the yoga industry has really been booming and mm -hmm. unfortunately as someone who's in this field i still find that people are on the surface staying obsessively connected to the body and not and not going within um, having said that there are always people who are exploring deeper but um, I think that I, I think that for me the transition from the yoga into the emotional empowerment was largely it it it, it was born out of the idea that lots of people who came to my class came with injuries and when I started to look deeper within my own injuries I realized that there had to be an emotional um, block that was causing it and once yeah. I discovered this I mean my my perspective on the practice of yoga completely changed and I no longer wanted to achieve something in my body and I just wanted to, rather I wouldn't say no longer wanted to achieve, I no longer wanted to achieve anything external in my body and instead wanted to really nourish my body. And I think that's what shifts because unfortunately yeah. around me, I'm, I'm, talking, I'm largely talking about family members and friends who are not on the path. Um, for them, their practice or their workout is purely for the aesthetics. It's purely for the yeah. way they look. And that is an important aspect. But I, I really think that if you want to come to a place of deep love for yourself and deep acceptance for yourself, 
it's not going to happen when you're pushing yourself to work out six days a week and, you know, uh, doing a harder workout. I mean, there's a studio I'm teaching for virtually and I started doing these core classes. But given what I've been feeling internally, I, I just couldn't teach those classes. I had, I had the... I know how to teach that class. I have, I know the sequences and the poses, um, but I just felt that the energy was not right to do that. And I, I had to speak up and say that, hey, I, I don't want to teach this. This is not what I'm being called to do, which is something, to be very honest, I wouldn't have done either if it was not the lockdown and I wasn't as connected to myself. So yeah. um, it is it is disappointing that people are still escaping their boredom and their anxiety through through overworking out and I and if anybody's listening I, I would encourage you to start a small practice even if it's five or ten minutes of really tuning into yourself because there's a lot of magic unfolding right now if yeah. we can you know if we can connect to that and there's so much healing as well like um like as you touched Absolutely. on in terms of um physical ailments and physical disease in the body um as you as you touched on that there there really is a psychological and emotional aspect to a lot of these diseases that we're finding in our body the way that we hold stress and um the way that we hold painful emotions and difficult emotions in our body is a direct correlation you know, science is also proving this now. It's a direct correlation to um, to physical ailments. So um, let's talk about that a little bit about that, and maybe even talk about some practices that people can begin to uncover this in themselves if they do have a consistent um, injury um, or pain in their body how they can sort of just start to figure out if there are some um, emotional barriers that is, is causing this to stay with them. So, of course, if you are an active person or if you're an inactive person, you will find some, um, some imbalances in the body from time to time. But when something becomes chronic and it's showing up over and over, it just can't be ignored. Mm. And our natural um, trajectory... I mean, when, when we do get an injury is to go see a physio, have a quick release, and then we're off again doing exactly what we were doing. Which, again, I mean, if I think about it right now, we can't access a physio, we can't get a quick release, and we have to sit with it and examine deeper. But um, just to put perspective, you know, I want, I want to share a little bit about myself. So when I started practicing, yeah. um, I started out in Iyengar Yoga, and then I was always gravitating towards... Um, vinyasa and vinyasa flow yoga because I love to move and coming from Ayurveda I have a lot of this air element which is very shifty and kind of always moving and you know kind of needs to be always in a direction moving I don't have a natural steadiness to myself it's something I need to cultivate day on day and in those days when I was you know, beaming in my practice I was able to do a lot with my body I was actually having eczema and, and weird things happen in my body and, and that kind of pushed me to study Ayurveda because when I wanted to treat my eczema from the perspective of a skin specialist or a dermatologist, it would just not go. I was, I was, I was using steroids and like steroid-based creams and I would put it on, on my eczema and it would go from there and come in another place in my body and I was forced to be like, something is, is wrong. And when I started to study Ayurveda, I realized that the food I was eating, which was at the time largely raw food, 
and high protein food was just not serving me. And, and that really brings me to understand the other thing that people are always asking about is, you know, what, do you, what should you be eating? Do you eat high protein? Do you eat coquito? And I, and I really think, again, that that's a very personal experience. And you just cannot, one shoe does not fit all. And when you start yeah. to understand that we are really made of the five elements in different proportions, and which, whichever proportion is is more in your body, you balance with the others. So if I'm made more of air, the food I eat needs to be more earthy and grounding and more soups and stews and pumpkin, which is not what I'm naturally drawn to. And when someone listens to this, it's so daunting. It's like, oh my God, now I have to change this as well. But I really think that what I want more and more people to do is start to examine what is true for them. What, is, what feels nourishing for them. Not just to go with what is, been, is just given to you as information. And I, like personally, I think you know, a keto diet is, is not a sustainable diet. Whereas with Ayurveda, it's, it is easier to, to sustain it because you're probably gonna be eating from that perspective at least 60% of the times, which is good enough. And also Ayurveda has simple things you can do to balance your energy. So um, I think it's a combination of a lot of things, but we have to realize that our body, while we see it to be physical, we see it to be physical because of, our, of us looking at, at it from a physical perspective, but the body yeah. really is, is, it has its own vibration. You know, it's, it's just that we are looking at it from a three-dimensional lens, and so we look at a table. But if you were to look at it from a higher-dimensional lens, you would see a bunch of molecules and, and, that, and cells. And, and that's why we really need to look beyond the surface, whether it's our movement, whether it's our food, and whether it's our emotions. You really have to dig deep to understand um, where you want to go and what kind of health you want to have. Because I know many healthy people who, who have... Um, you know, a sort of an, an unhealthy relationship with food or an unhealthy yeah. relationship with working out. And the only way to get them to stop in their tracks is unfortunately an injury or a disease. Yeah. And, and the word disease even, it's like dis-ease, it's out of ease. It is the biggest gift that you, that you can receive yeah. because it's, the body has its own intelligence. It's telling you what you shouldn't be doing. And when you get an injury, it's, it's taking attention to what's not working for you. And I want people to see it that, that way, not just that I overworked and I overworked out and I didn't rest and I pushed my body and so I have this injury. While that may well be the case, I think there's something deeper. The body is always trying to communicate yeah. with us, even through and our emotions it, when something it, doesn't it's feel it's right. It's the why as well. It's, it's, a, it's an opportunity to, do, to look a little deeper at the why do I push my body so much? Why do I work out so hard? Why do I have such an unhealthy relationship with food? I think that that's, it's those rock bottom moments in life that would be a disease, would be um, an injury um, that sort of are there not as um, something terrible that's happening to you and something scary, although it can be, but it's really there to shift you onto your correct path and to, to earthquake you into that correct um, alignment, realign you again, I think. Absolutely. Have you had any moments um, on your path that, that you um, identify as this, that you identify as sort of a rock bottom moment that really sort of affected you and forced you to turn inwards and, and realign some things? So, you know, I, I, I love this quote, you know, when you hit rock bottom, there's nowhere else but up. 
and yeah. of course I see it I see it that way now in retrospect and at the time it was it was confronting but to be very honest with you um, I have a few like those and and mm-hmm. in my personal journey um, given to, uh, I would say that one of my early blocks was that I had um, a parent I, I have a parent um, who used to, who, who's, who while she struggled, my mom, when she struggled with her own issues, uh, I, w- I, I sort of um, experienced a byproduct of, of her dissatisfaction and, and unhappiness in her life at the time. And um, because of that, some of my lowest moments were when I was in romantic relationships because I hadn't understood uh, what it means to receive unconditional love or what it means to uh, feel worthy of love. And I will come back to that, but because we were talking about the physical body, one of my yeah. rock bottom moments in my physical body was, so I, I was in a studio in Australia. I, I used to often visit uh, and go back to Sydney and Melbourne to study with my teachers. And I went off to this um, animal flow class at one of the studios and there was a lot of brisk, quick, abrupt movements as animal flow has, and it's and it's actually a beautiful practice. But I was in um, a split, and I and I felt something in my left hip. What followed was that I had um, um, sort of there was no concrete diagnosis because it was so many years ago. But it was my SI joint, and it was a dysfunction in the SI joint mm-hmm. as they described it. And I went to a physio in those days, and they told me that I was too flexible and I lacked enough strength. So I started to lift weights, um, and I started to complain of pain in my lower abdomen right at the time, like maybe weeks, couple of weeks after I started doing that program. But eight months later, I stood in the shower, and I could see there was a bulge on my, on my body, on my abdomen, and I, and I later discovered it was a hernia, and I had to go through a surgery, which for me was... Uh, one, a huge learning process, a huge learning experience, and also a very confronting one because I realized that I had a very uncomfortable relationship with doctors and um, the medical world largely, and that was also since I was a kid. So it kind of made me, I, I was forced to then sit across a therapist and examine my anxiety towards going through with the surgery. Mm. And Ayurveda at the time really helped me navigate um, and recover. But I want to tell you what I realized was that when I when I resisted having the surgery, apart from the, for medical reasons, it was also because I was one at that stage obsessed with my physical practice. I carried a belief system that went like, if I don't work out, I will not be this, I will not feel this, and I won't look this. And it was the loss of those identities that had me crippled with fear towards yeah. having the surgery. But as I examined those fears, um, rather, as I, I didn't examine those fears straight away. In fact, I had to go through the surgery. And when I was healing is when I started to really see my body as a gift and not, you know, literally um, push it and, and, and treat it badly on the mat. Instead, I, was a lot, I learned to be a lot more patient. And one of the biggest gifts that came out of that experience was that I stopped believing that I'm as healthy as I work out. Because then I started to have a more um, easeful and respectful relationship with my body where I, I realized that I, I cannot be doing as much as another individual is doing because that's not the capacity of my body. And there's nothing inadequate in me because of that. But sure enough, given that it was in my lower abdomen, it was my second chakra, and eventually it led me to also dig in and examine my issues with self-worth, um, which if you can see now, even even the obsession with the body image 
is self-worth, is related yeah. deeply to your sense of self. And also my, my unhealed aspects and anger and resentment towards my mother uh, was now being pushed to all sort of come up to the surface. So it was certainly a difficult time. But when I look back now, it kind of um, set me up to all the great stuff I was coming to. And, and even when I started the out... freedom on the other side of it. Exactly. And, and even, the freedom on the other side of it is incredible. And, and even when I started my yoga practice early on, I, 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 was, I felt inadequate in my body, and that's why I pushed myself. And later, even when I was able to do lots of things, I still carried that same belief system, right? Like, of course, you feel stronger, you feel like I can do more, but then you're like, hey, if I don't practice, I, I'll lose that. And, and, and that's scary, you know? And I know a lot of women who believe that, you know, especially after they become mums, that if they don't practice X number of times in a week, they just won't look a certain way. And I really think we need to understand that our mind has the power to control everything. And, and I have mentioned this to you before. In fact, when I, when I take time off, like a week off, or I'm off at vacation, binging and eating and drinking, when I come back to the practice, I feel stronger, I feel better, just because my mind was freer. And, and we go to work and come to an evening class in the evening where we just want to, you know, get the day off our, our bodies, but instead we're doing so much damage perceiving our yoga practice to be one um, of, of sort of releasing of pent-up emotions of the day. While, while it can do that, I think we're taking away from the idea that it's meant to be nourishing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. And so tell me, Lamia, one of the things that I really love about your practice and something that I, why I trust you so much actually is because I have witnessed in you that you actually, you investigate different modalities and different practices and different healing techniques and you investigate them on a very personal level. And it's only after you have really embodied these practices and seen that they work and how they work and how they function in yourself that then you start to teach other people i've never seen you ever think oh you know what that fad sounds really good and i want to learn how to teach that it never comes from that place and that's one of the reasons that like i really i really trust your work and i trust your practice on a personal level but so describe some of the wellness modalities and the spiritual practices that have really supported your journey especially the ones in that time when you had the hernia and that you'd sort of discovered that it was a, there was a lot of things to do with your self-worth and maybe unresolved um, issues in the relationship with your mother, how you sort of worked through that and the things that supported you through that. So, you know, when I, when I started teaching again after I recovered from the hernia is when I first studied Reiki. And I only went to Reiki not for myself as a healing technique, but because I realized that now, nursing this hernia, I would not be able to support the body weight of my students often, and I would not be able to give them the deep adjustments that I was used to giving them. And I wanted that every time I do touch them, that I touch them with love. And I mean, you know, Claire, for me, I, I knew all along that I had a path, I had a mission on earth. But mm -hmm. like everybody else who feels this way, there's so much noise and there's so much conditioning of what you need to do and the, the fact that you need to make money and that, you know, this is all rah-rah stuff. And, yeah. and, and, you know, I was always, I was always, I always kept this as my side 
job, you know. I always thought that this is something I'll do when I'm done with all the worldly stuff, when I've done with all the accomplishments. Yeah. And I really think that there is something deeper within you that is guiding you, as I said earlier, when you're ready, to do the greatness that you are meant to accomplish at a soul level in, in this lifetime. And I think that that's why I feel like that hernia was such a gift because if it had not happened, I would have not gone to Reiki when I did. And even when I went to Reiki, it was largely because I wanted to touch with hands of love. And when I discovered Reiki, it changed my life because suddenly I was not pushing myself to meditate because my Reiki practice was allowing me those moments of silence. And today my Reiki practice does not feel like meditation. It feels like this beautiful expanded self uh, state in which things are just flowing. Like I just feel so elevated. Um, and that's why I, I feel like Reiki may not be a healing technique that's magical for everybody, that I set my hands on you and you're healed. If you trust me, maybe you'll have a, an incredible experience and your pain is gone in one session. But sometimes that pain is there, that disease is there, as I've said earlier, to take you to look at something deeper. So what will happen is that Reiki then kind of, it's like this alchemy where it kind of, it leads you to the right article, to the right person, to the right experience, and something really happens at a very subtle yet multidimensional level, which is why I love, for example, Reiki. And even in my yoga practice, my teacher, Alina Brower, and one of my other teachers in Sydney, um, they both were teaching meridians in asana, something I was really drawn to. So all of my practices picked me, you know? They, yeah. I mean, all of these, I, I believe that these practices have their own consciousness, right? And they and they picked me for, for certain because once I did Chinese medicine in yoga, it, it was not foreign for me to then look at tapping and EFT where you combine affirmation therapy with, um, with the meridian points because you basically tap along the meridian points. And again, I find that these practices were always created to serve, not just for your self-fulfillment because I often find that, of course, with my Reiki, I'm able to help myself a lot. But when I tap... I often need to, to sit with myself, you know, kind of write out points of what I'm feeling and then use that dialogue when I'm tapping for myself because it, when, you, when you tap, you kind of basically, when, say I tap with you and you've experienced this, mm. it's my conscious mind and your subconscious mind. So there's this beautiful interplay with all of these practices um, and, and, when you, and, and that's why I feel like they were one, never meant for hoarding or for like self-use only. They were always meant to create expansion and help others and I really see the proof of these practices with people who trust me and my clients day on day I mean um, and it really I feel like you need to come to these practice with, practices with a certain amount of surrender because the magic really happens is when you surrender and I think this is this word surrender this this energy of surrender is really again another huge theme right now yeah. energetically because we we really can't we, we really can't tell in what direction we're going. As much as I'm talking about purpose and, and standing in your purpose, I think that it's pushing us to surrender to something greater. And I mean, we, we have talked about this when you started the podcast, and I think my mm. own views on, this, on these subjects have changed quite a bit since the lockdown because I'm, I'm starting to see that even when you have an injury, even when you have... Um, a disease like that's happening I mean a flu just to give you perspective in the yoga world is considered to be a detox that's why the flus normally yeah. happen in the months of March April and then sort of September October when the equinox shifts so 
a flu is not actually a disease. It's um, it, it is it is a way for your body to process a certain emotion that you're or a change that you're going through. Like a cold is the congestion is from you releasing an emotional uh, feeling or some grief or some pain that you've held in your lungs. I mean, it's we we need to understand that. Disease is not to be feared, you know. Disease is, happens when you're living in an imbalanced manner. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why these practices, I mean, as a life coach, of course I use a lot of tools that are hands-on and a lot of writing work and a lot of, um, you know, journaling and release and introspection and literally making, uh, making people answer the, those hard questions. But I, I, I think it will, it will be incomplete without the healing. And that's, yeah. and that's why my, my emotional empowerment sessions are a combination of both healing and the work and the actual work that you put in, you know? Yeah. You need assistance. We were never meant to do this alone. No. And then that brings us to another aspect of your work as well, quite beautifully, with your angel therapy. And um, you're, you're also a licensed angel therapist. And so you're, again, then bringing in that divine guidance into that work as well you know again uh, i have to tell you there was a store so i lived in in melbourne in saint kilda and saint kilda was like this sort of half posh half eclectic half grungy kind of mixed space and there were pockets of the suburb that were like nicer and pockets that were like you know there were like crack addicts and stuff i mean i mean it was just it was marvelous it was right by the water it's still and like it, that i think this, also <laughs> it is it is not changed i mean yeah. i lived there in 2009 and 2010 and whenever i go back i go back to the very same restaurants and i want to tell you that on my street there was a store called chakra there was another mm. store that was a bookstore that had like the biggest self help section and there was another a restaurant that was a restaurant that said pay from your heart so you would go there and based on a set menu of different days of the week a different meal you'd pay what you deem valuable for that meal I mean I was already living in a in a very different space where like if you took uh, a ceramic coffee mug you you got 50 cents off your coffee and and I, I would walk on my street often because I would go to you know pick up my groceries and things and um, I just found this Archangel Michael pack at the time. And it, it's still one of my most special packs that I don't actually use for, uh, for other people too much. And I mean, I was so curious uh, after that when I decided to become a yoga teacher, I studied, you know, crystal therapy, I studied chakra therapy, I studied, at the time I studied angel therapy and I also did a little bit of hypnotherapy, but I only did hypnotherapy um, to, the, to the point of childhood regression. And it's something I'm, I'm hoping to now uh, delve into in a, in a bigger way because I, I was not ready then and again timing um, so today I, I do angel tarot because I find that um, the angel cards are good as a, as a quick divination tool but when you want to get into the thick of things um, it, it helps to have you know cards come up also when clients come to you there is a certain amount of respect and surrender when when a card says it versus you know, if I, I would to say it, you know, versus when, when, I, when I'm translating through the card. The other thing is that I wouldn't say I'm, I'm a channel, but I, I do have a sense of surrender when I work with my clients where I'm like something higher than me is taking over and working through me, whether I'm teaching a yoga class, whether I'm doing a coaching session. And in the cards, it is so beautifully evident that I'm being guided to help these people to make a better decision for themselves. I don't like to see the best decision because there, there are always multiple choices that we have in our lives. And sometimes a, what seems like a poorer choice 
has a, a big lesson for you there. So I would not say that avoid bad choices because we, then we would not live fully on earth, right? Mm. Um, so yes, the, the angel cards are a great way to, to help people. And, and the angel cards are very helpful for me when I'm working with people who also have uh, a similar mission on earth uh, or are in a relationship that is toxic or on a job that is toxic. I mean, it's just, I think that right now, a lot of the, the, the card readings I'm doing uh, pushing people to really come to what they love, to, to focus on their talents, on what their, what their gifts are, their natural gifts are, and live their life from that experience. And again, I'm saying this, that it's not a privilege for everybody, but mm. I really believe that when you can surrender, you, you can be led to some really, you know, magnificent spaces. Yeah, some magical places. You have to leave room in the. You have to leave room for the magic in your life, and that's definitely a lesson that I have learned over the years for sure. Learned the hard way um, because I used to be very, very structured when I was younger, and um, you know, very driven, very structured, very make things happen. And I just realized that most of the really magical things in my life have been things that I've never planned. And so I think that it's um, it's really helpful to be able to surrender a little, at least a little bit. Like it's not saying being totally irresponsible and not having any structure or desires or, or dreams or goals or anything like that, but just leaving a little space for some magic to happen and some really exciting you know, detours to happen, right? Every time we talk, I feel like it just flows and it's and, and it's it's good that I, I open like this as well because what I wanted to talk about based on what you were saying is something I wanted to make sure I say in this podcast is that there is a very obvious masculine energy in the world. I mean, we yeah. live in duality and there's a feminine energy. There's day and there's night. There's good and bad. There's, and, and what was happening pre-lockdown is that we were living very yang. And even now, a lot of people are still continuing to live on that trajectory and that path and mm. and for women especially if there are any women listening to me when we are very young that puts our body under tremendous stress which then leads our hormones to go totally out of balance and then we start having disease like um you know polycystic ovaries or mm. thyroid and and various such um diseases so so what you were describing was a very masculine energy and the masculine energy is really important but the, what does the masculine energy say it says there is competition so masculine energy unfortunately takes you into lack and then there's the feminine energy which is the intuition the surrender mm -hmm. the knowing that you're being guided and i wouldn't say that you need to sit you you want to be in any one space but you, you want to have a good balance between the balance. two yeah. And being a Libra in myself, I mean, I have a habit of really living in the extremes. Like I'll work really crazy for a few weeks and then I'll take three days off. And, and, and maybe that's my way of striking balance. But as I'm getting older, it's becoming more and more obvious that that is not sustainable, even for someone like me who, who has uh, the wisdom and the ability to, to, to recognize this. But I, I really think that what you touched upon in terms of the masculine and the feminine is if, if people can understand what feels feminine to them, what feels nurturing for them, and what feels outwardly to them, and they can strike a balance between the two, that's a really good place to be in, yeah. even if it's not in perfect balance. No, I think one of the best ways I heard someone describe it, actually, is that the masculine sort of... Because we, but we all inhabit both masculine and feminine energy, and um, absolutely, no matter what gender we identify as, and um, 
so the the masculine energy is really there to to create this container and um, then the feminine energy has once you when you have that that masculine energy as a container a grounded container then you you have the ability to be to flow in in your feminine energy and I think that that's a really interesting way to put it because if you're too in your feminine then you're on another planet altogether and um, there, there needs to be obviously some structure and some grounding and then if you're all in your masculine energy then there's there's a lack of creativity and absolutely lack of, you know and it's really nothing to do with male and female um, it's it's more about the the masculine and feminine energies there so as i see it the masculine is the doing and the feminine is the being and we need yeah. to have a little bit of the doing and a little bit of the being you know yeah coming from um when i'm doing 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 there's no time to be and then there's no magic and i'm always in a struggle state i have to take you know pauses to come into being and then from there i recreate and go back to doing you know it's like it you're right it has to be both absolutely yeah, yeah, that's incredible. And so um, let's move into people that have inspired you. Are there any people that, um, or any teachers, any guides, whether celebrities, whether, um, you know, famous yoga, yoga people or um, motivational speakers or in your personal life that have really inspired you and um, really, that you really look up to? So, um, of course, I mentioned Elena Brower. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, she also has been a yoga teacher for I think over 15 years in New York City and my my teachings have sort of evolved from, from her teachings um, her coach is this woman called Lauren Zander and at one of my retreats we did um, we did this, there's a book called Maybe It's You that Lauren Zander has written and um, they're, they're basically, it's, it's a book in which you do the work on various aspects of your life. And I use a lot of her principles having studied with her in my coaching work. Um, so Lauren Sanders is amazing. The Handel Group. Um, there's Elena Brow. I love Marianne Williamson's reading. Um, yeah. jo, Dr. Jo, uh, Joe Dispenza, Dr. Wayne Dyer. Like, I mean, these were the old, old school, uh, the, the, the early uh, self-help you know, um, in the self-help space, they were the early pioneers, I would call them, uh, Brian Weiss, you know, so yeah. I have I have a lot of inspiration that I'm gathering constantly. Uh, in, in more recent times, I would say um, there's Organic Olivia, I really like her podcast, there is um, Lacey Phillips, who is uh, To Be Magnetic, there is, um, but you know, currently my, my inspiration is, is coming from a lot of um, teachers who are talking about the shift on earth that we're going through from the third dimension to the fifth dimension. And I, I really want to talk about that a little bit, not too much in detail. Um, but I also want to say that while I, I, I draw a lot of inspiration. Well, that interestingly, brings a, that interestingly brings us to our next um, question in the sense that, um, you know, there's, there's a real feeling at the moment that everyone is rushing to get back to normal. And um, I think that it is the perfect time and the opportunity to really ground down and decide what is worth rushing back to. And, um, you know, so, so let's talk a little bit about this, this space that we're in and these teachers that have been inspiring you and um, talk about the move into that new shift. 
I just wanted to quickly just say one thing. So in terms of, sure. you know, gaining inspiration and, and having mentors, it's a great space. I mean, you know, my Reiki teacher and um, some of my other teachers, my spiritual teachers, my yoga teachers have always inspired me. But I had to reach a point where I, I had to remind myself that I have all of this knowledge deep within me. You know, and I want people to connect to their own truth. So while it's great to find inspiration and expand your mind, and that's the early stage where you're expanding and growing and learning more, but eventually I, I, I want people to realize that whether it's your practice, whether it's your teacher, none of these things can become crutches where you're just so dependent on it. And that, you know, um, and that's what inspires a lot of my work as well, that when I do sessions with people, I want to leave them with tools. I'll, I'll give them meditation audios that are recorded by me for them or tapping videos that are recorded by me for them because I want people to start having a sense of resilience. So when something goes wrong or something is triggering you, you're able to come back to it with much more ease and grace. And I'm, I'm borrowing that from you, by the way, the <laughs> ease and the grace. <laughs> my my um, intention for 2020. Yeah, you can borrow it. Go for it. Please do. <laughs> Normally I say ease, but I added the grace because, I mean, we, we, we are badass women, you know. We, we should have some grace as we come make our way back, crawling out of our dark to our light. You know, it, it just, it's, it's, such a, it's such a beautiful process. But I want people to have resilience, you know. We're not going to have perfect lives. Mm -hmm. So, so, don't, so don't, don't go off um, over-shopping for inspiration and, and for teachers. You know, time and silence will, will teach you to be your own teacher and... And that's one of the biggest lessons I took in 2020, to be very honest with you. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. So, yeah, let's talk about how we're moving through um, this lockdown. What are the things that are bringing you the most joy? And um, what, do you, what are the things that you've realized in your life that, you know what, you're going to leave behind and you're going to leave them in pre-lockdown? You're going to leave them pre-corona and um, you're not going to be taking them into this new phase. You know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to say that this for sure I won't be doing. Um, but for certain, like, I, I've made my way out of uh, Yoga House because I, I'm not feeling called to do that work anymore. While I'll continue to be a yoga teacher, um, I want my teaching to really be sort of um, a combination of, of the physical and, and the emotional deeper work. Um, but I think what I'm, I'm going to be, I'm definitely going to have a different tribe. Um, and you know this because you are one from my tribe, but I'm definitely going to have a new tribe when, when, when this is over, because I think what I have experienced when I, when I'm not had a social commitment to go to and I, and I, and is, is really a very empowering feeling of saying no. I think in spite of knowing what doesn't work for me, there were still certain things and people and friendships I kept in my life because I just felt that, you know, they were old friendships and, and you just have to honor them and this is what life is. And I think that what I'm, I'm learning is to connect to what feels good for me. Having said that, I mean, I ate with, I, I don't like to use the word healthy, but I ate with a much more mindfully pre-corona because I had access to those foods, which I don't, I don't at the moment. So it's also helping me let go of some of that you know, I must eat this way. I must 
move this way. A lot of yeah. the must and the should have and the could have, uh, I mean, the should have and the have to, you know, I, I mean, there's none of that going to come back into with me. Yeah. And I think that, you know, for certain, I was telling my husband this, that you know this about me, that I, I was working um, in a company doing HR, and, and I obviously will go back to that. But I think before what I was doing is I was I was working um, till about 4 p.m. from like 9.30 to 4.30 in the office, and then from 4.30 to 8.30 teaching class and doing sessions and then weekends. But I, I definitely think I'm going to start to divide my time in a way that I'm spending days, uh, a few, like at least three days of the week where I'm totally devoted to my soul work, which is the sessions. Yeah. And the moment I decided that I, I want to do more work here because that's what my, my deep, like, long calling is, my, my, my strong calling is, yeah. people started to show up even more. I mean, pre-corona, I could only take about eight sessions in a week. And so I had eight sessions. Now I can take up to, you know, 10, 12 sessions in a week, and that's what's happening. So, yeah. you know, we always wait for something on the external to give us proof to make a change. But I think what I, what we, so what I'm trying to say is that where you put your energy, that grows. Whichever field you play in, that's where the outcome comes from. So when, when the lockdown initially started, I was getting a lot of yoga work. And while I was feeling great about in my body and teaching people, I was also sometimes feeling a bit exhausted and a bit dull because I was like, I'm not doing what I want to do at a deeper yeah. level. And, and when the moment I said no to some work, which I mean could seem blasphemous to some people who don't have that opportunity right now, yeah. other work opened up. So I think that what happens is that when we continue doing something from a perspective of lack or fear, we, we further you know, um, we further create that pattern. But when we can have the courage to say, okay, no, even if it means that I'm going to have to take back a little less home right now, but I'm going to be true to myself. So I think to answer your question, one of the things that is going to be different pre, uh, post-corona is uh, I, I'm, all, I'm all for authenticity. I've always been, but I think it's made me realize the places in which I was still not being completely authentic with myself, yeah. you know? So yeah. That's definitely a change that's coming through. But one of the most, the best changes and one of my biggest gifts during Corona is that I'm locked up with my husband and we got married recently. And I mean, of course, we didn't get to go to a, on a honeymoon, but we're kind of, you know, getting to spend a lot of um, time doing the mundane with each other, you know, which is normally lost in the busy pace of life. I mean, you don't cook, you don't experiment, you don't have time for a meal to go yeah. wrong. And, and, you know, and, and I think that, I'm getting to learn a lot with the little mistakes we're making or the little, um, I mean, you know, that we're, we're learning to do a lot of things. You, you realize that we humans are really inventive and really adaptive and we just didn't do it because there was a guy we could call for that, you know, yeah. which you can't yeah. do anymore. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really sweet as well that you're you're getting to know your husband in a real, in a di totally different way than you ever would have if you if you weren't um, you know in lockdown together and I think that's really beautiful sometimes possibly challenging um, but I think that that's a really incredible blessing to come out of this and I think for people who are in relationships who are kind of living with each other I think if you're in a healthy happy relationship. Uh, you, you probably already are doing this, which is that you're coexisting. So we don't spend all day with each other. We, we are in separate rooms doing our work. And then we meet. And then, you, you know, you value that time. It's, it's not about, uh, it's not about being stuck to each other. It's, I mean, that, that's yeah. the most 
that's really an unhealthy space to be in. And so if one partner has work and one doesn't and the other one is needy, it is, it is, it is you know, a difficult time for the one who's feeling a loss of identity on account of less work. Um, and, and, and you have to find a way to, to keep yourself inspired. And I think what I'm getting constantly in all of my readings and all of my meditations is that connect to what makes you feel like you are creating something and, and I would say mm-hmm. that for me in the lockdown cooking because I'm not I'm not a good cook um, I, I, I mean I, I ran a restaurant so I know how to cook I know um, I know how, what, what works with what but I, I never felt compelled to do it myself and these days at the end of a meal that I cook just seeing the finished product just gets me so excited because I've created something and the gratification is so instant compared to like if you're writing a book or you know which takes much longer so whether you're dancing whether you're painting whether you're cooking and you know whatever you're doing finding something that you can creatively do with your hands um, is, is a really gratifying place and is really the window to enter that that sweet place where you start to become aware of what your purpose is, is what I would say. Amazing, amazing. And so that sort of answers my next question, actually, but maybe we can get another practical tip from you. And just one practice that people can implement right now, that they can implement today. So I'm going to borrow one of the principles from the Reiki practice, which is, so in the Reiki practice, we have the attitude of gratitude that we start with. And I just think that there's nothing that can replace that. And every time I get a deposit in my bank account, I'm just like super grateful, Um, especially right now. um, While I have work, I can see that my husband, whose business is in retail, um, is having a very different reality. And it's just making me have a lot more gratitude. So attitude of gratitude. But in Reiki, we have these principles that is, you know, just for today, you know, I will work earnestly. Just for today, I will be honest. Just for today, I will not anger. Just for today, you know. So I would say that if you're struggling with anything right now, just give yourself the just for today um, in your mind and, and just say that if, if you're working with, say you're eating too much junk sitting at home, you just say to yourself, just for today, I won't eat junk. Just for today. We'll see tomorrow's a new day. And it's a great way to form a habit and break a habit as well as many people are doing right now is forming new habits and dropping old habits. So giving yourself the just for today is, is, is phenomenal. So for even for me, I have to give myself that when I want to do something, I'm going to be like, just for today, I'm going to like drop that idea. I'm going to come back to it tomorrow. I'm going to revisit it. Sometimes it never comes back, you know, so. That's a great, that's a really great practical um, piece of advice, actually. I think that that's, that's really phenomenal. So thank you for sharing that with us. And, so welcome, um, Claire. <laughs> Thank you. And um, so how do we see the current events unfolding? We talk a lot about this in our in our Move with the Moon where we go into a lot of detail on it. But, um, you know, without too much crystal ball gazing or future predicting, how do you see this unfolding? And what are some of the practices that you are putting in place um, to to move into that? to prepare yourself for that. Okay, so coming coming from, you know, my sort of spiritual eye, I would I don't know how else to describe yeah. this. Um, I would say that we, I, I don't mean to scare people, but, you know, we who are on earth right now have a huge responsibility and our soul pretty much chose to be here at this time of great 
change. And I wouldn't say the time is now. It's actually been kind of building up for the last maybe 10 years or longer. And in the next seven to eight years is really the biggest window for us to move from this lack 3D world in which we are always fighting, competing, rushing into a more being um, state where we are living in more harmony, living with more respect towards the earth and each other. And we really are going to be doing a lot of things that we love. Um, and I know it sounds like utopia or like the Garden of Eden, and we may not hit that in seven years, but the years that follow, we have this divine opening at this time, and teachers have known about this, civilizations have known about this, because it's kind of a cyclical, it happens every 20,000 years, and, and we pretty much choose to be on Earth at the time of, of this um, sort of transition. And I, I would say that each and every person has responsibility towards their own spiritual energy, their own energy body, their own emotions, and how they treat themselves first with kindness and the rest of the world, their family, the earth with kindness. And if we don't all collectively put the efforts in now to do that, we may lose the window. It is a bit scary. And that's why, that's why I think for me it became super obvious that I have to now prioritize this work of me as a coach and a healer because it is really my time to get, and, I, and I'm seeing it everywhere. Most of my clients are on a certain journey of their own, in their own awakening process. And I feel like, the, it's like, it's like the, um, it's almost like saying that the, the temperature is optimum, the forces are optimum for you to fly. You know, but if you're going to keep staying in the in this 3D world of like, I won't have money, I'm going to starve, oh my God, I'm going to lose my job. But you have to come and believe that, you know, I will be taken care of. I am a child of the universe. There is something great that's happening here. If I'm losing something, it's because something has to shift in, in a greater way. And maybe I'm just, you know just another one little speck in the larger scheme of things to, to allow a, break, a bigger change to come through. Um, so I would say that if, if you were to say, what's the tip? I would say si get clocking in time for silence. And yeah. you know what I'm getting more than ever is that you know Indian teachers are like, meditate for this much time, meditate for that much time. To me, a lot of the, the downloads I'm getting are telling me that practices that are simple and potent you don't have to sit for long amounts of time. If you like to, like me, you may. If you like to, like you do, you may sit for longer. You may, but sitting for five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the evening, just quieting your mind, just seeing what comes up, staying with your breath, holding gratitude for being alive, reflecting on your blessings with your eyes closed, something as simple as that is yeah. really, again, the way you're going to go into these higher vibration uh, states of consciousness which eventually when you're in there things just work out I mean it sounds better than it it sounds harder than it is it's actually really simple and I mean you and I will agree that you know if we were to understand that there's this three-dimensional world that we live in and there's a potential of a fifth dimensional world that we can go into on a day-on-day -day basis there are moments where you are completely in that 5D. You think of someone and they yeah. call you. Like you and I, whenever we do any associated work together, 
it's just it flows like i may say something and i'm never trying to control and saying hey claire like you know we want to do this because there's no control there's just flow and it just uncanny how every time the things that i have kind of jotted down that i want to make sure i put out in a certain video or a podcast i mean you are mirroring that back to me yeah, so it's if you are looking at your life from a place of lack and a place of you know anger and resentment more of that is going to be mirrored back to you but if you can look at your life as abundant and i mean let's let's just look at abundance for a moment you know we think abundance is money but health is abundance the fact that people who are listening to this are not affected by this virus by um directly because without i mean you don't have a family member or friend who's affected by it that's abundance the fact that you're getting food that you can eat every day is abundance the fact that you have electricity and you know you have air conditioning in your home that's abundance you know people need to understand that what we define to be abundance if you have a relationship in which you can be real and speak your truth that's abundance you know and i want people to understand that the more you focus on all of these great abundant things the more of those show up in your life and then everything will follow suit uh, if you have friends with whom you can be yourself if you have you know if you are healthy if you have food that you're getting daily you have electricity you have a home all of this is just great abundance and the more and more you focus on this and not on when is this lockdown going to end when are we going to be able to go out again when are we then we're living in the past then we're going back to um you know a, a to a way of life that if you ask me was was not conducive for us and um i truly believe that while this lockdown will ease up and we will probably be able to take flights again um i think it's not going to be immediate because we are we are rewriting the way we live on earth and and i and i hope that everybody listening to this um finds a way to reflect and find and and, and i i really want to go into that beautiful you know fifth dimension reality and live there and and i and i want people to understand that it's a, a very wholesome space in which you are respected you have everything you need and more everything is balanced and i keep saying it's like sounds like utopia but it's a very real way very real um i would say it's a reality that we can all access but everybody has to do their bit and it starts with healing yourself when you when you heal yourself and you come into a place where you recognize what your um what your traumas are what your childhood issues are i mean no one has a, had a perfect childhood right uh, everybody has that's why we came to earth to learn and grow and expand and and when you forgive those people and let go of that resentment and walk out of that toxic relationship and that toxic job is when you're really empowering yourself and the more you do that um and and not doubt the process the more we can all live in this great harmonious place but you have to you have to take some amount of action um and and correct some of the some of the things that you are holding on to the past and and let go of them yeah and like when we talk in our full especially we talk about this mostly in our full moon circles is it is that process of alchemization of you know really alchemizing those denser consciousnesses that are within us that um show up in um you know um limiting subconscious beliefs and behavioral patterns that aren't serving us and it's that process of alchemizing those and um releasing those from our, through our body from our bodies um to really raise our own consciousness and be accountable 
that that is our contribution to the collective consciousness as well. And um, I think it's a really beautiful process. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, um, but the freedom and the lightness that you, you gain through the process is always something really beautiful on the other side of something very, very painful. So um, we can find hope in that as well. And I think as a collective that we can find hope in that, in that space that we're in right now in terms of the, the virus and the lockdown and the economic crisis that has happened that there is going to be something very, very beautiful on the other side of this. You know, I, I want to add one thing. I was telling my husband this last night that, you know, if there was any one thing I could say is the most important lesson on earth, I would say that it's to forgive because that's where you just end the karma, the resentment, the anger, yeah. and you let go. And very often it's not a one-time process. It is a lifelong journey people are going to trigger you people are going to hurt you and you just have to come keep coming back and say I forgive them and I move on and the ones that you haven't been able to forgive for a long time you need to work within those spaces because that is where the block is and that is where the light gets in you know like that's where the crack is and that's where the light gets in but for a practical tip for this for, for right now I would say two things um don't don't over expose yourself to too much information um, because you yeah. you don't want to add more conditioning and more layers to yourself find your truth so definitely you know I would say gadgets and social media like keep it limited um, and the other thing every time you find yourself judging someone just acknowledge it and say I let it go let as long as this person's happy doing what they're doing you know it's 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 one of the things that I have realized I've had to do um, as well when people are having an opposing uh, perspective to mine and and I can't go there and convince them to share my perspective but all I can do is you know hold light for myself and for the other person and and you know not not make their reality or their make their um, their perspective feel wronged it just you just have to in order to be that wholesome person um, and that fifth dimensional person you have to be able to accept every perspective and and do that with lightness um, you know so if someone is disagreeing with you at home it doesn't matter if you don't have the last word you know I, I just feel like that's something I, I I'm I'm finding with, with the disharmony happening at home between partners or siblings or parent and child it's okay let them have the last word move on like leave with your head high so good lambs that's such that's such beautiful advice and um yeah thank you for sharing that i think that that's that's incredible to be able to come to that place and say you know what i don't need to have the last word I don't need, and I think that that, especially when you're in close confines with someone, that that is going to heal so many relationships, just that one small practice. So that's so great. And if you need to have the last word, then take a piece of paper and write it out there. Get it out of your system. Don't hold it in there. I'm yeah. not saying suppress. I want people yeah. to understand that I'm not saying suppress your need to speak. Sometimes you need to speak, but because we don't find the right tone and the right words, it's better we just it's better we just choose to write them down, you know? Because we, we may And sometimes sometimes the medicine is poison for somebody else as well. So those people that are um, you know, I how do I say this? They're not as assertive or they're um, 
you know, can can be the doormat in a lot of situations, basically. Sometimes the, the medicine for them is to have the last word, is to stand up for themselves and, and not let people walk all over them. And then the, the other way is true that if you are one of those people that always has to have the last word, that maybe it's time to bring some peace and some harmony and let some other people have last word for a change absolutely you know for the one for the former type of people that you spoke of i think it is a self-worth issue and my my piece of advice because i've taught a lot of classes on boundaries is that when you are trying to draw a boundary keep your words limited so just say this doesn't feel good never give a reason why you don't you never have to explain yourself or, or you know people go off on a train of excuses and reasons and back up their 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 statement almost like they don't believe it themselves so when i need to draw a boundary i'm like this doesn't work for me can we find another way you know you don't have to say this doesn't work for me because i did this and that and that i mean sometimes you need to explain yourself but like when you're trying to draw a boundary with someone with whom your relationship is imbalanced the lesser the better you just say it keep it crisp short because when you give someone a reason you basically give them the opportunity to counter your reason you know it never works mm. just as just as something i think for for people trying to draw boundaries just say this doesn't work for me doesn't feel good i need some time out you you know you don't have to say it because you always do this to me and it leaves me feeling blah 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 because then you're kind of inviting you know going into a whole a pity state and you know um victim consciousness which is not a good place to be in because you're going to keep attracting more of that yeah 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 such good information thank you so much for being so generous with your information um lamia we really appreciate it knowledge is knowledge is meant to be shared clear and i love having chats with you really fills me up yeah. yeah for sure for sure so tell us about a little bit about more more about your services that you offer and where people can find you on social media and get connected with you so for right now i'm working largely out of my laptop and my home on skype i do have a space uh, in bandra where i take my sessions um so normally i get people to sign up for four or six sessions because i want them to be committed to the to the work while you know normal life goes off around yeah. you it's important to take that time you know once a week and just revisit uh and you know and reaffirm um your 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 changes and what you want to bring into your life but right now i'm just being more flexible as that's what i feel is the energy anyway in in the world out there so i'm i'm open for like one off sessions um very happy to do that um my sessions are a combination of healing as i said and the work so i will definitely give you some homework but the idea is that i mean my job here is to help you transition through not only this time but through your own life and emerge living your best life and that's really what i'm i'm called to do um but i am finding that a lot of people who do come to me um are also coming to me because their their life's purpose is opening up so if you have an inkling that you have something bigger to do on earth don't hesitate to get in touch with me i'll be happy to guide you give you practices i mean i did say that practices are meant to be simple and that's a good place to start because i don't want you to go off saying that when there are too many practices what happens is we don't end up doing anything so that's why that's why i'm saying let's yeah. stick to a practice Or, or do a different one every day but have the consistency of a practice and by that i don't mean yoga you know it could be meditation it could be chanting it could be reiki it could be anything that works for you and and I, I, when you work with me we also devise practices because 
a lot of my work is about keeping you consistent and keeping you at that sort of zero. I'm, I'm not one who chases the highs. You know, I don't believe that we need to be in the plus uh, or the minus. We need to just stay steady and at zero. And um, that's what, emotionally, that's what I'm always trying to get at. You know, of course, you have moments of feeling great joy, and that's and that's okay. But it, you don't want to chase that feeling. You don't want to always be feeling like happy and like victorious. You, you want to feel like steady and and contented, and you know, um, and and sort of a sense of uh, blissfulness that's quiet. I think that's what we want to access. So yes, I'm always the anointing with. Anointing of ease and grace yes. again. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. So good. And where can people find you on social media? So my Instagram is Pixie Lamy. I am working on my website. I also have a yoga program that's called Fuel and Flow, which is largely asana but infused with a little bit of quiet time, which was designed right for this time. If you're interested in purchasing it, part of it also, part of the, the fee goes to... Um, the Life Foundation, which is uh, doing a lot of work providing food to uh, the daily wage workers and you know people in villages and remote areas. So you'll be kind of gifting yourself an 11 class package along with um, um, you know also kind of doing something um, in terms of service. So that right now is not on my um, website because it's still under construction but if you write to me um, my on my email I'll be happy to give you access via the drive so that's what I'm doing doing free meditations every Sunday um, the the time uh, is fluid right now because I'm, I'm also teaching in other in other spaces teaching lots of meditation lots of practices to raise your vibration so please come along and um, always happy to have a chat if you need me fantastic and yeah so guys make sure that you follow Lamia on Instagram at Pixie Lamy and um, she always puts you always put it in your story when you're doing these different meditations and things like that and um, I think they're always really valuable they're always really powerful and as well as your um, flow class as well that and of course our moon stuff so, uh, and of course, you can always catch us bi-monthly at our new moon and full moon Move with the Moon events. Um, Lami and I always get together with another with and have a chat about what is going on um, with the planetary weather. And then we also do a Zoom call where you can join us for a Kundalini Kriya and a guided meditation. So we do those bi-monthly. So we we love doing those and. Um, you know, we love seeing you guys on there as well. So thank you so much, Claire. It's been so, so, so lovely to chat with you. I think it's it's, it's definitely different from when we started out this, this chat, but I, I just feel like I'm in a whole another world right now and I think you know what I mean. Yeah. And probably a lot of other people know. We we really are in a in a magnificent sort of washing machine and we'll come out clean the other side and I know that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me, Lamia. Thank you for being so generous with your gifts and your knowledge. And um, I look forward to catching up with you again really soon. Same here. Big hugs and big kisses, Claire. Take care and have a nice day. Thank you, See darling. you guys. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode and you got some things to take away from our amazing guests insight. If you did enjoy this episode, please subscribe and also leave us a review. And for more information on the Hadassah Collective, you can visit our Instagram page at Hadassah Collective. 
I hope you'll join me again for our next episode at the same time next week. And until then, have a wonderful week. <laughs>